Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Good morning, Central Park Baptist Church. Thank you so much. Good morning, Central Park Baptist Church. Good morning to you all. How are we doing this morning? We doing okay? Amen and amen. Now, we didn't get a chance to do this last Sunday, but this is the month of August. And so what we'd like to do is we'd like to recognize all the August birthdays and anniversaries. Do we have any wedding anniversaries for the month of August? Any wedding anniversaries? Amen, right here. Amen, the Huffmans. Amen. Uh, the Big Nails. Amen. Congratulations. Anyone else? August wedding anniversaries. August wedding anniversaries. Amen. Now, I believe we have quite a few August birth uh, babies. A lot of babies born in August. So if you were born in the month of August, would you please stand right now? Would you please stand? Month of August. And that will include Pastor and Brother Marco. And you were born in August then? Wow. All the August babies. Amen. 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 That is wonderful. Let's, uh, everyone who is seated, let's sing happy birthday to our August babies. Here we go. A happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Please, let's uh, make sure to uh, personally recognize our, our birthdays and anniversaries at the conclusion of the worship. Amen. Amen. Now, one thing about uh, birthdays and anniversaries is something beautiful. Amen. Amen. So if you're able to rise, we're going to open up with the hymn, hymn 647, hymn 647, something beautiful. Hymn 647, if you're able to rise and join us. Here we go. Something beautiful. Something good. All my confusion. God understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful. Let's do that chorus again from the top. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, God understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful of my life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today thanking you that we can gather together as a church, as a church family, Father. Friend, everything that's said and done here today will honor and glorify your son, Jesus Christ. Be with the messages that's given out. If there's someone here today who doesn't know you as Savior and Lord, may they receive you today. For we're asking in Jesus' name, amen.
Amen and amen. If you can remain standing, we'd like for you to join us in singing hymn 370, hymn 370. I believe we'll do all verses. I know whom I have believed, hymn 370. Amen. Sing I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for his own. But know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him again that day. I know not how this saving faith to me he did impart nor how believing in his word wrought peace within my heart. But I know whom I have believed in, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him again that day. I know not how the Spirit moved, convincing men of sin, revealing Jesus through the Word, creating faith in Him. But I know whom I have believed in, and I'm persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto him again that day. I know not what of good or ill. I know not what of good or ill may be for me of weary ways or golden day before his face I see. But I know whom I have believed in, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against the day. I know not when my Lord may come at night, noonday fair, nor if I walk the veil with him or meet him in the air. But I know whom I have believed in, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him again that day. Amen. You may be seated.
Why should I feel discouraged? Why should our shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is He. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know He watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know He watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For His eye is on the sparrow, and I know He watches me. Oh. 
cares for me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he cares for me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm. sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For His eye is on the sparrow, and I know He watches. said in the gospels he, he said that that isn't your life worth more than a sparrow a sparrow doesn't fall out the sky without god knowing about it he said isn't isn't your soul worth more to him than a sparrow yeah. amen amen well we've already had church i think we're ready to dismiss right now amen amen but uh seriously if you're able to rise we want you to join us in singing one more hymn before we go to announcements and uh, we'll have you go to Hymn 648, hymn 648. Hymn 648, sing along. Ah, Jesus, my Lord, will love me forever. From him no power of evil can sever. Life to ransom my soul. Now I belong to Him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. Once I was lost, or once I was lost in sin's degradation, Jesus came down to bring me salvation, lifted me up from sorrow and shame. Now I belong to Him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me, not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. Amen. I like that eternity part. Last verse. 
a joy floods my soul for Jesus that saved me free from the sin that long had enslaved me his precious blood he gave to redeem now I belong to him now I belong to Jesus Jesus belongs to me not for the years of time alone but for eternity Amen here this morning. It's great to have each and every one of you here. If you're a first-time visitor here and you did not receive a visitor card, if you're a first-time visitor here and did not receive a visitor card, uh, if you'll slip your hand up right now, our ushers will get you one right now if you did not receive a visitor card. I'm going to ask you to fill that visitor card out. Keep that pen as a gift from us to you. And then after the service in the foyer, I'll be out in the foyer behind us in front of a sign that says welcome with a little desk there. If you just bring me your card, I have a gift bag for you uh, for coming to our service today. Amen. We're glad that you're here and thank you for coming. Today is a very special day in some forms that folks maybe don't recognize. But today we have Caden White with us. Caden just got his GED, and he's now he's going off to college, and we're excited about that. So immediately following our morning service in the fellowship hall, we're going to have a little graduation party and send off for Brother Caden uh, with desserts and a table and all sorts of things that are there for him. I know all of you want to get a chance to talk to him, shake his hand, tell him that you love him, and that you'll be praying for him while he's in the, in the school and college. And it's a thrill for me, and I know it's a thrill for Preacher and Mrs. White to have him here this morning, and it's good to see you, Caden, amen, back there. He won't even raise his hand. He's too embarrassed now. But we're glad that you're here. Don't forget about our sewing and crafting next Saturday, August 20th. August 20th, Saturday at 9 or 10.30 in the morning, we'll be having our sewing and crafting class in the Fellowship Hall. Amen. Then every Saturday morning, 9.30 in the morning, we have uh, uh, church-wide soul winning. Soul winning, 9.30 on Sunday morning or Saturday morning. And then our kids' store. We have Baptist bucks we give to our kids. I, every once in a while, you'll see them in an offering plate because they want to give an offering off their Baptist bucks. But our kids get Baptist bucks uh, up in Sunday school, out in, uh, uh, in, in the junior church. Uh, they get it for bringing their Bibles, memory verses, behaving in class, all sorts of things. We give them money, Baptist Bucks money. And then they get to spend it in our old-fashioned country store upstairs in, our, in a room up there. But we're running low. It's been a very active summer. We've had a lot of kids coming through, which is wonderful, amen. Uh, but we're starting to run a little low on things that are in there. All the things in the store are things that you uh, uh, donate to the church. So if you know something that you would like to give, maybe toys or games or um, soft uh, uh, things, poppets or journals or boy stuff. I'll tell you, one of the things that really goes quick is drawing stuff. If we get something, a drawing kit uh, uh, or, or something for the kids to learn how to draw, that thing, they're gone within that first week that they received. Our kids love that stuff, and we just don't get enough of that. So if you have something you think our kids would like, uh, uh, maybe tools for the boys, uh, ball caps, uh, all sorts of things, anything a child would like, baseball bats, 
plastic preferably so they don't beat their brothers or sisters up too badly with it uh, or baseballs or anything of that nature basketballs anything that a child would enjoy or most men the kids will enjoy too amen so i want to encourage you to help us do that don't forget about the fellowship right after the service with desserts for brother caden preacher amen it's good to have Brother Ward with us this morning, Amen. our missionary to Croatia. He'll be with us at our missions conference in October, so I want to encourage you to get to know him today and uh, let him know. He's been here once before, but Sherry and I were not here, but I'm glad he came back today. He had an open morning, so uh, just make sure you uh, let him know that you're glad that he's here. You're going to be praying for him and uh, looking forward to him being back at our missions conference in, in October, so... Uh, please do that. Also, choir practice at 1 o'clock, okay? So uh, be ready to go. We need to be up here ready to go. 1 o'clock. And all the choir members can say. Amen. Good. Amen. And all those that would like to come, let, if you'd like to join the choir, please come and uh, be here uh, at 1 p.m., all right? Well, let's have a good offering this morning. Amen. Amen. You know, it's not time to go to sleep, all right? It's time to wake up today. How many of y'all have had a, a tough week? How many have had a busy week? How many have tough and busy? All right, that's what I thought. Well, you're here. So let's enjoy our worship together this morning. And uh, please, uh, you know, and one of, our, one of the ways that the Lord has given for us to worship is through our tithes and offerings. Amen. 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 So let me encourage you. You give today is unto the Lord. And May God bless you as you give. Dear Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, this day. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. I pray, God, that you'd bless this morning as we uh, continue our worship. And I pray, Lord, that you'd bless uh, this offering. Uh, God, I pray and ask you, Lord, to please bless the gift and the giver. And may we give, Lord, uh, with a, a cheerful heart, Lord, today. And may what's given be used for the furtherance of the cause of Christ in this place. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have an offering, you please come. At this time, if you're fifth grade and under, you're now dismissed for junior church. Fifth grade and under, you're now dismissed for junior church. Uh, the Korean ministry is also dismissed at this time. Amen. And for the remainder of us, if you're able to rise, we'd like for you to join us in singing a chorus, hymn 254, hymn 254, and then briefly greet each other as we prepare for the remainder of our worship. M254. You give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil 
<laughs> keep me burning, burning, burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. Sing Hosanna. I sing Hosanna. Sing Hosanna. Sing Hosanna to the King of Kings. Sing Hosanna. Sing Hosanna. Sing Hosanna to the King. Make me a fisher of men. Make me a fisher of men. Keep me sinking. Fisher of men, I pray. Make me a fisher of men. Keep me seeking, 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 seeking till the comes again. Sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna to the King of Kings. Sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna to the King. Amen. Greet each other at this time, please. And only He can change your 
sweet love and joy and heaven too. Satisfy your soul. Genesis chapter two. Genesis chapter two. We're going to start off something new. That's, that's that rhyme, didn't it? Poet didn't know it. Genesis chapter 2, we're going to begin reading in verse 15. If you're able, if you'd please stand as we read the Word of God. And thank you for everyone singing this morning. Appreciate that. And man, you know, sometimes we have a rough week. But no matter how rough it is, if you're saved, we still have some smile about. It. Amen. No matter what the world does to you, God's still good. Amen. And, you know, and so, you know, there, I've got a, a sermon this title, never, never let them see you sweat. Don't ever let the devil see you down. Amen. And we get that way, but the old devil, he gets enough credit these days anyway. Uh, as children of God, let me encourage you, just uh, enjoy the day when you come and worship and sing and just Thank the Lord today that he that we're born again child of God. If you're not saved, I'm going to give you an opportunity in a minute to come and get saved and find that peace that Brother Will uh, sang about. In, in Genesis chapter 2, we're going to start a series on, the, on God's plan for the family. Uh, you know, it seems like our society's got a plan. And it seems like that the society today has usurped their authority over for the family over God's authority for the family. But we're going to look and see what God has to say about that. If you found your place in Genesis 2.15, say amen. amen. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Now watch this next verse. And the Lord commanded, or the Lord God commanded who? The man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely. Uh, I was reading this the other day, and I don't know why. I've never thought about this, but guess, guess who's not there? Huh. Isn't that amazing? So God told Adam, Adam, of every tree you can eat, but not this one. So the responsibility of whether to eat or not to eat of the tree, guess whose responsibility it is to make sure that happens? It's the man's responsibility, okay? Look in verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, here thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou, uh, that thou eatest there, uh, thereof, thou shalt surely die. Again, he's talking to Adam. And the Lord God said, it is not good. This is the first time God has said that something isn't good. And he said, that it's not good that, that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them into or unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever, whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help meet for him. And the Lord God caused deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. 
and the rib which the Lord God had taken from, uh, from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she, huh, he didn't have any, he didn't have any, uh, you know, confusion about what, what, you know. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Father, help us this morning. Uh, God, as we begin a, a new series, if you will, Lord, on the family, I pray, God, that you'd help us as we uh, get started this morning to really, uh, Lord, uh, determine and see what you have to say about the family, not what we think, not what society may say, but God, what you have said, I pray that you'd instill that upon our hearts and in our minds, and, and God will give you praise for it. And Lord, this morning, I pray, God, that you'd speak to our hearts. And if there's someone here that's not saved, I pray, God, most of all, that that person may come and, and uh, trust you as Lord and Savior, Lord, so that they might know that they uh, will live eternally in heaven with you. So, Lord, uh, watch over us today, move in our hearts, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, we're going to go back to the beginning, all right, to the time uh, that the first family ever existed. And by the way, it wasn't billions of years ago. It wasn't even millions of years ago, and that's a whole new sermon. Uh, but I want us to learn what we can from the first family so that our families, that we might be found pleasing to God. Uh, but, and, and here in our text this morning, there's at least, uh, there's uh, several lessons, but I want to bring a few that we don't want to miss. And I want us to take a look at the family according to God's plan, according to God's pattern. And folks, God has a, watch this, a clear pattern, a clear template, if you will, that he expects every family to fit into. Society is trying to make us fit into their pattern of a family. And, and you know, we've got into this thing where if we redefine something, then we can make something into what we want it to be. Amen? Uh, but listen, God has placed a definite and an unchanging uh, definition on what the family is. And uh, but now, I mean, but society, look around, society has redefined what the family is. But that does not change the word of God. The Bible says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. That means that everything that's written in here, every definition, every pattern that God's placed in his word will stand forever, for eternity. And so God in his word has a clear pattern uh, that he expects every family to fit into. So the first thing I want you to see this morning is the foundation of the family. And in this passage, we see how the first family was formed. God made a man in his image, and he named him. What was his name? Go ahead and tell me. God named him. What did he call him? Adam. Exactly. Genesis. Now watch this. Repeatedly tells us that mankind is different from the rest of creation. That's important. We are different than the rest of creation. Now watch this. God spoke a command, and guess what happened? The fish appeared. God spoke a command, and birds appeared. God spoke a command, and the plants came forth from the ground. But watch, but mankind was created differently. Come on, y'all's here. Say amen. 
Uh, we share the same original material with the rest of creation. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, you can go back. As God used the dust of the earth to create us. But, watch this, the Lord did more than just merely speak a command uh, when he created Adam. Now watch, God fashioned the dust with his own hands and breathed life directly into his nostrils. God said he breathed uh, forth into the nostrils of man and, and man became a living soul. That's the difference. Human beings, watch, are created. They are formed in the image of Almighty God. And folks, listen, there's no room uh, in Genesis for evolution. Are y'all, y'all, uh, are y'all alive this morning? There's no room in Genesis for evolution. We gain, now watch as we gain nothing by suggesting that, that the six days of creation in Genesis were actually millions of years. And that's what a lot of people want to do. Even Christians want to uh, make this sound like that, the, that the, a day is millions of years. But it is not. It's a 24-hour period. And so we gain nothing, watch this, let me say it again, by suggesting that the six days of creation in Genesis are actually millions of years because Genesis 1 makes it clear that God did not use evolution to create mankind or any other aspect of the world that he made. And when you look in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, we notice something there and it tells us that God formed man. The first thing that we read about man's creation is that God got his hands dirty. Amen. Think about it. I mean, he, 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 he got the dust of the ground and he formed man. In other words, he, that word formed means to squeeze into shape. So God reached down into the dust of the world and he squeezed man into shape. And listen, and he formed us after his own image. And we can all say amen. God won't watch. God may have used the same material or dirt to create man and animals, but God did not watch. He did not use animals themselves as the basic material for mankind or use that to evolve humans out of a lower order. We are not Listen, we did not ever come from an animal. Never. God formed. He squeezed into shape man. And we were created in the image of Almighty God. And we can all say, amen. Adam came to life. Watch. Listen, before God breathed into the nostrils of Adam, listen, he was just a, I don't know, a, a form, an image. Lifeless. But God breathed into him the breath of life, and man came a, became a living soul. And so we can understand, watch this, let me read it. It says, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And, and then God made man in his image, and then he named Adam. Then God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden. Look in chapter 2 and verse 18. God considered that man in, uh, in the Garden of Eden, and he said, first time, it is not good that man should be alone. Right. Now, God knew that all the other things that he had created had a mate. Uh, they had a counterpart, but Adam, he did not, and Adam does not know that. So God caused all the animals. Now, watch this. God caused all the animals to pass in front of Adam. And Adam, and by the way, names uh, back then always meant something. 
And so in order for Adam to name these animals, he had to know something about the character of these animals. Yeah. And so he didn't just willy-nilly think of something, oh, yeah, I think I'll call that a giraffe. You know, I think I'll, I'll call that a whatever. You know, listen, he had some idea about the character of that animal. Listen, uh, Adam was an, an, an extremely intelligent individual. You say, how do I know that? Well, because God made him. God, he was the first man, and listen, and he had a lot of work to do. So God instilled in him, listen, everything that he needed to do the job that God had called him to do. In fact, if we go back and listen and we realize this, I was, I was talking to Brother Marco about this the other day. Uh, I'm, now, this is, this is whiteology, okay? This is give you something to think about. When you remember when God told Adam, he said, listen, he said, Adam, I just want you to know you can eat of every tree in the garden except this one, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I really believe that, listen, that Adam already had the knowledge of good and evil in him. But until he disobeyed God, it really hadn't sunk in. I don't think I'm not. I don't think that 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 tree that he ate out of. I don't think there was any special or or, or secret ingredient in that tree that 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 caused Adam to realize the difference between good and evil. It was already in Adam. I know y'all are thinking. I can see the wheels turning. For some of y'all, see smoke. So go easy, okay? Listen, I believe with all my heart that that day that Adam and Eve, listen, it was his responsibility to tell Eve, don't eat that. It wasn't hers. She wasn't even there yet. God hadn't even made her. It was his responsibility to leave the home. And we'll get into this later. And it's still the man, the husband's responsibility to leave that home spiritually. It's his responsibility, your responsibility as a husband and as a man to lead your family into the spiritual things of Almighty God. Here's Adam. God says, don't eat of that. But I don't believe he ever told her. And the day he ate, he was disobedient to God and he, and he knew immediately that he disobeyed. You know, when kids disobey, when you and I disobey, we don't, what we eat or what we do doesn't all of a sudden make us realize that we disobeyed. We know before we ever do it whether we ought to do it or not. Yeah. I believe Adam was the same way. And so God, watch. So now God brings before Adam all these animals, and he brings them before him so that he'll realize that he doesn't have someone that's compatible to him. Genesis chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. God uses this event to awaken the realization of loneliness in Adam's heart and to create a desire within him, think about this, to have someone that he does not have. Up to this point, I think Adam's been satisfied with his life and with his surrounding. He's, I mean, God made this beautiful garden. He put all these animals in it. I mean, he's enjoying the presence of God. He has everything he needs. 
And now he knows when all these animals pass before him that there's, some, there's another need in his life. There's an emptiness there. And there, then there is a desire that's awakened within Adam for a companion, for someone to complete him. And after shaping his desire within Adam, God took definite steps to satisfy that desire. Look in verse 21. It involves sleep. It says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh, instead thereof. Now, Adam is totally uninvolved with the selection process of who his mate's going to be. That's right. That's right. Amen. Uh, it, it, like everything else in life, it, it fell to the sovereign choice of Almighty God. You know where we get in trouble a lot of times with stuff, folks? We make the choices ourselves, and we leave God out. You know where a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of marriages get in trouble? Because God's not involved in the process. Listen, those looking for a spouse, watch, can learn something right here. The best thing that anybody can do is just to leave that area of your life up to God. Right, right. Come on. Right, right. Amen. Right. Uh, if we'll just, I don't know, go to sleep in that area of our life and trust God for that person in our life, listen, then God will send us the person he wants us to have. Where we get in trouble sometimes is we want to help God out a little bit. Yeah, amen. It involves sleep. It involves surgery. Now, while Adam was asleep, God performed a surgery on Adam, the very first surgery. I mean, God opened him up, took out a rib, and it was from this rib that God made woman. And just as surgery, think about this, involves pain, oftentimes, not only finding a mate, but even during marriage, there's pain. Listen, if you, anybody been married for any length of time, listen, I'm telling you, there's some difficulty in marriage. Come on, y'all go ahead and say amen. It's okay. Amen. You can't listen. I'm telling you, there's, there's pain involved. But it's in those difficult times we need to remember our commitment to our spouse. We need to remember our commitment to the Lord God himself. Listen, we make a commitment. I made a commitment to my wife. And, and, and listen, and I always told her, I said, honey, if you ever leave me, I'm going with you. Amen. Yeah. Uh, it involves surgery. It involves symbolism. Notice where the woman came from. In taking her from the side of man, God was painting a picture that speaks, I believe, volumes about what the marriage relationship ought to be. That's right. That's right. Uh, I like what Matthew Henry said in his commentary. He said this, that Eve was made by God, not out of Adam's head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, from under his arm to be protected, and from near his heart to be loved. Too many men, I think we walk around not careful, we walk around with our chest all poked out. Yeah, I'm the man of my house. That's right, I rule around here. Yeah, come on, men, you big chickens. Yep, I'm the man in my house. I wear the pants in my home, and what I say goes. Be careful. Listen, that's not the attitude at all. If I'm reading my Bible right, and I think I am, if you're listen, if you're leading your home right and the, the way God would have you to, listen, you won't have to say that. You won't have to be that way. 
Listen, men, we're, we're not to lord over our wives. In fact, turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21. Ephesians chapter 5, and, and, and we're going to get into all this later. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, find your place, amen. It says, for this cause shall a man leave his, uh, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I, I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself and the wife. Listen, see that she reverence her husband. Listen, I'm First Peter chapter three and verse seven. It says, "Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel." Listen, uh, uh, the position uh, of the husband in the home, watch, is more about responsibility than in, and less about authority. Listen, it's up to you and I. Listen, God, men, God has given us a responsibility to lead in our home, spiritually speaking. Listen, we're to lead in a godly fashion. And come on, we can all say amen. Listen, God help us. We're to lead both practically and spiritually. And it's a partnership, not 50-50, but 100 both ways. I tell married couples all the time when I counsel with them, I say, listen, marriage is not a 50-50 proposition. It's 100% both ways. And I said, if there'll be two deaths in your marriage before you ever get started, I tell the husband, if you will die to yourself, and I tell the wife, if you will die to yourself, you'll have a marriage that will work and stand the test of time. Because if you haven't noticed, Satan hates the marriage. How do I know? Well, look what he's done to it. Look how he's changed it, redefined it. Listen, it's a it's a, a husband and wife thing. It, it, it's a it's a partnership. Uh, the making of Eve, the marriage involves symbolism. It, it involves satisfaction. When Adam woke from his sleep, the first thing he saw, what think about this, was a brand new, perfect, beautiful woman. Perfect. Can you? I kind of think maybe he might have been like Daniel when he stood before Nebuchadnezzar silent for an hour. You, you follow me? You know, I mean, stood there with his mouth open and thinking, listen, she's perfect. You know that person you're married to? You know what they are? Perfect. Yep. I still remember when my wife walked down the aisle when we got married. Now, she may have saw me and thought, man, what am I getting myself into? But when I saw her, that's not what I thought. I thought, man, the perfect woman. God picked her just for me. And I think that more now than ever after 37 years of marriage. Listen, I think Adam, when he saw her, I'm telling you, look what he said. His response was this. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, here's the one that God uh, picked for her, compatible with him. One with whom he could carry out God's command. And that's, listen, that's what she's for. God chose her so that she would help him carry out the command of God and the will of God in their life for, for eternity. 
Listen, when you get married, that helpmate for you is to help you to carry out God's plan for your, your, both of your life uh, in, in, the, in your distant future. God has a plan for your marriage. And listen, and what happens sometimes when people get married, they have their own plan. Here's Adam in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. It says, And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. Now watch, the lesson here is that in any marriage, there must be that element of a heartfelt love for one another. I mean, the sure knowledge that this is the person that God has created just for me. Marriage is not something to be entered into lightly. Are y'all still with me? Say amen. I think it ought to be prayed about. It ought to be strictly observed according to God's commandments. Now think about this. If God's word is ignored, there'll be nothing but trouble in the marriage relationship. It involves a response. And that response is to say yes to that person that God has placed and prepared just for you. Um, Notice the function. I'll keep going. I've, I've got to hurry. The function. The family was originally designed by God to glorify God. Yes, yes, yes. To populate the earth right. and to show his grace and love to the world. Yes, yes. And when the family functions in a way that God would have them function, then the world will see a reflection of God's grace in action. Yes. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, look in Genesis 2.24. Now look at what God said when he brought two people together as husband and wife. He said, therefore shall a man, what? Leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, female. I just, yep. I just throw that in there. Yep. Yep. And they shall be one flesh. Yep. Now that word leave, it means to depart from or to leave behind or to let alone Leaving the parental relationship to enter the marriage relationship, it, it literally means that you're willing to place every other relationship at a lower priority than any other relationship with your wife. Listen, everything else ought to pale in comparison to your relationship with, you know, with your wife. And, and now, wait a minute, excluding God and excluding worship... Listen, remember Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be. Listen, God first, God says me first. Listen, but then after that, listen, it's your wife and then everything else goes away. Everything. Now, your husband or wife is to be more than just a spouse. They're to be your best friend. I, I, me and my wife are good friends a, 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 a long time before she ever asked me to marry her. <laughs> I just seemed to listen. And by the way, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Um, we were good friends. But leaving implies that every activity outside the marriage relationship has to take a back seat, excluding God. This includes things like business, Hobbies, friends, careers, sports, and even church work. Now, I didn't say worship. I said church work. Outside your relationship with God, there's to be no other relationship as important as the one that you have with your mate, with your spouse. Listen, far too many times 
If we're not in trouble, we get in trouble because we put something before our wives and before our husbands. And we can all say amen. You think about it. Uh, listen. Well, I'll, we'll, I'll save that. Look at the word cleave. We're to leave, and then we're to cleave. It means to adhere to, to stick to, to be bound together by some strong bond. And by the way, there's a progression here. You're to leave. Amen. You're, before you cleave, you're supposed to leave. In other words, before you cleave to one another, there's got to be some marriage vows take place. And all God's people can say, amen. Right, listen, you know, it is a proven fact that living together does not work. Do you know that divorce rate is higher for those who live together before marriage? Listen, God help us. Listen, God has a plan, and he says that if you stay with my plan, listen, then your marriage will make it. Come on, say amen. But the world today has got into this thing about where we go into, a, or people go into marriage, it's like it's, there's, a, there's an option period. It is not. Cleaving is, isn't, uh, uh, it's an instant, th- or excuse me, cleaving is not an instant thing, it's a lifelong thing. Listen, I cling to my wife, cleave to her yesterday, I cleave to her more today than I ever have. Ask her. I mean, I even got to where I'll go to the quilt store with her every now and then. Yeah, I know, right? Yep. Um, now I don't walk around. I'll find me a place and I'll stand and wait. But I tell her, take your time. You know, as long as you want, I'll wait. You know what that is? Cleave. It begins at the marriage altar and it continues to the deathbed. It speaks of total and absolute commitment. This is a word I think that's lacking today in our modern and enlightened society especially when it comes to marriage. Uh, our society says, let's try it out for a while and see if it works. But that is not God's intention. Cleaving is not a passive endeavor. In other words, it doesn't just happen. It comes about as a result of effort. And if you've been married any length of time, it takes effort. Come on, say amen. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. <laughs> Amen. Uh, That New Testament word cleave again, it means to stick like glue, to be welded together so that the two cannot be separated without serious damage to both. Mark 10, 9, it says, What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. God designed the family to display his grace and glory to the world. You know, you watch some marriages and man, I'm telling you, you don't see much of that. Amen? Amen. Listen, when we come to church, we ought to display God's grace. When we come and worship, we ought to display the grace and the mercy of Almighty God. You know, I, I usually, I was telling our young men this morning and we, in our prayer time, I said, listen, um, and I was asking God to help me before I ever came out here because remember I asked, I said, how many of y'all had a rough week? It's a trying week. It's a, a week that really gets on your last nerve. But listen, when we come here, we need to understand something. We may have had a bad week, but we're coming into the presence of Almighty God. 
Listen, we're coming into the presence of the God who loved us, gave his son for us. And listen, we've got something to be happy about. Don't let's don't come and, and, and look like we've been, as my dad says, weaned on dill pickle juice. Hey Amen. Listen, I can watch some of y'all's faces on Sunday. I can tell what kind of week you've had. You come in and you're defeated. You're discouraged. Listen, but I'm telling you, if you'll just hang on for a little while, God will help you out. We come to be a part of something and allow God to speak to us. We need to understand that the function of the family, again, is to display the grace and the glory of God to the world. You know, when, listen, when the world looks at you as a Christian marriage, what does the world see? Listen, if God works for you, I'm telling you, they'll be able to see grace and, and mercy in your life as a married couple. Um, but since the beginning of time, mankind has attempted to redesign the family. But the reality is that the family is God's plan. The family is God's design. And God designed the family as a father, a mother with children, boys and girls, to bring glory and honor to him. That's the function of the family. But notice the future of the family. I've got to, I've got to hurry. If you trace the, the course of the first human family, you, you know that it, it's a family that uh, has been riddled with death, pain, sorrow, suffering, misery. I mean, from the day that Cain killed Abel and to this day, human history is an unbroken, I mean, a line of, of destruction, uh, difficulty, and death. But in the midst of all that, in the midst of all that pain, in the midst of all that suffering, there's hope. Come on, there's hope. You know how I know? Because God's still on the throne. You know how I know? Because the Lord Jesus Christ has not come back after us yet. There's still hope for the family. When Abel was killed and Cain was banished, listen, God gave Adam and Eve a son named Seth. You know why? There's hope. When Abraham and Sarah were unable to have children, guess what happened? God gave them Isaac. You know what that showed? That there's hope. Why? Because God's in control. When Isaac needed a bride, God gave him Rebekah. When Rebekah was unable to have children, God gave them Jacob. Through Jacob, 12 sons were born. Those sons were weak, immoral, yet out of one of those sons, a man named Judah was born, and the family, listen, there was a family through him that produced the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, I know today, because of that, there is still hope for the family today. And I want to remind you that, the listen, think about it, the human family has always had its problems. It's always found hope, though, in the providence and the promises of Almighty God. Nothing's changed. Is there any families in here today that's perfect? No? Huh. Well, we may not be perfect, but families are a God thing. Yeah. They're a reflection of His love for and His work on on behalf of lost sinners. Yeah. 
You're here today because of God. Your families here today ought to be a reflection of God's grace and God's mercy. And as long as God's on the throne and Jesus Christ is still alive and well, listen, there's hope for you as a family. But now listen, we've got to be willing to accept spiritual advice. We talked about this Wednesday, and we'll talk about it again. That people today, families included, they want practical advice. They want practical help. And they're willing to accept it. But as soon as the preacher or someone else offers spiritual advice, well, you know, preacher, I'm, I'm, that's, I, you know, the practical, that's good. You know, wait, you, you know, oh, we're good. That, that What you said before, that's okay. But now, having a relationship with God, you know, and reading my Bible, praying, having a family altar, you know, going to church, being committed to the things of God. You know, that's spiritual stuff. I don't really get into that. You're headed for trouble. If we can't accept the spiritual along with the practical, you can't divide the two and have a successful marriage relationship. We want to. We want to be holy and committed on Sunday, but we want to go our own way Monday through Saturday. Listen, you can't have that. Without God as your foundation, think about it, and the church a priority, not a hobby. You'll never be what God wants you to be as a family. So, how's your family today? Now, I'm not talking about materially. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. How's your family? On a scale of 1 to 10, where would you, where would you rate yourself as a family? Listen, if it's low, you ought to do something about it. Uh, y'all still with me? Say Amen. You know, when the doctor prescribes medicine, if you're sick, you don't just go on. Well, I take that back. Sometimes we do. But if the, go- if the doctor takes a bottle of medicine and says, here, take this. And on the bottle it says, take until empty or gone. And you know, if we're, it, I've, I've done this. Not, you know, I mean, after about halfway through the bottle, you know what we do? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. I think I'll save. I think I'll save those in case I need them later. Well, give it a couple of days. You're going to need them. Now, wait a minute. He gave us that. He gave us that that prescription in order to follow it. Do what he said. And if we don't do it, then we don't get better. Or if we don't do it like he said, we'll have a relapse. Well, listen. Uh, God has given us some medicine today. And he says, here, take it. Well, how long do we take it? We take it until Jesus comes back for us. That's how long we take it. Uh, We don't take it, you know, for, you know, I don't know, four or five Sundays in a row and thinking, man, we're doing good. We take a break. Or, man, I just don't feel like going today. That's the worst thing you can do is stay home. Separate yourself from the things of God. You're going to want, listen, here's the prescription. And by the way, uh, 
the best medicine I believe for the family today, you know what I, I would call it? I mean, we use it every week. It's called an altar. Yeah. A family ought to, listen, where you can pray together in public. Yeah. I mean, we do all kinds of things in public, do we not? Why can't we pray together in public? Yeah. Asking God for his help and his strength. Our families need help today. Maybe your family needs help today. Well, I've just given you some, I don't know, spiritual counsel. I had people once say, Preacher, do you counsel? Yep, every Sunday morning, every Sunday afternoon, and every Wednesday, I counsel. And if you'll listen, it'll help you. Well, I've just given you some spiritual counsel this morning. Will you heed it? Will you take it to heart? You want your family to be strong and healthy? Then take the medicine. Here it is. But you have to decide. Listen, there's hope for the family today. And it's God's design. The same God that designed it is the God who can help you in your family today. And all God's people can say, Father, help us. Lord, I, I pray that God, you'll help our families. Lord, there's so, so much need today for families. God, we get in trouble oftentimes. God, families, they start out difficult, Lord, but if they just follow you, Lord, if they're saved, Lord, you told us for, uh, not to be unequally yoked together with non-believers, but God, sometimes they start off that way and, and they're behind the, that it, they start off in the uh, hard from the get-go. And God, I pray if there's families here, if there's folks here that are looking for a mate, that God, that that would be the first prerequisite, Lord, that they will seek a, a mate, Lord, that God, that you've chosen for them. God, help them. Lord, maybe there's families here this morning, God, that are struggling. God, I pray that they'll come. And Lord, that they'll just follow you. God, it takes a husband and a wife and a godly relationship, Lord, to make it these days. So strengthen us, Lord, this morning. And I pray, God, that you'd give this invitation. Well, I really don't know how, but God, I pray that folks will come today and just do business with you. May families come today and do business with you. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. While we stand and while we sing a verse of invitation, if the Lord's speaking to your heart, you come right now while we sing. Come.